this weekend are all the foundations for actual sexual yoga. Not the, uh, uh, you know, just sit together and climb on each other's lap kind of sexual yoga, but the actual feeling stuff, knowing what you're doing, technicality of sexual yoga. The front surface is where all the organs are, uh, where all the sensitive areas are. And most mammals protect the soft front surface of their body. Right? So when you look at dogs, for instance, all of this is protected. And the only time they're unprotected is to show that they're submitting, which is when they go on their back and they show their neck and they show their belly, which are the sensitive areas. So in most mammals, this whole area is protected. In humans, of course, it's not because we're upright. And even in monkeys, you know, they protected some and they will go and crouch down. But us humans... We're upright, and so we tend to have a lot of armoring on the front surface of the body, also for other reasons, psychological as well as physiological reasons. This area can get quite tense and hard and energetically. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pulling in of energy and then projecting it forward, which makes it so that this area can be quite tense. So when you start relaxing this whole area bit by bit, through some of the nonlinear movement we did, through just feeling yourself vis-a-vis -vis someone else, imagining that you're pressing against somebody, softening that area. Certain breathing can help, but for most people, they don't know how to breathe, so they start breathing in a way that actually tenses these areas more. So that's why we didn't do breathing so far. Um, but whatever you can do to soften the front surface of your body allows you to feel more through the front surface of your body. So that's one of the things we've been using because intimacy with yourself then translates into intimacy with another. Meaning you can feel yourself, you can also feel someone else because how you feel someone else is through your own body, as you all know, right? When you start touching somebody, which is what we're doing this weekend, what you're doing is you can almost feel they're not in your body. And you kind of instinctively know where to go because you can feel in your own body where they are tight. Well, there's different theories, right? I mean, the subtle body or ethereal body is, um, of course, nothing you can actually see, right? However, by now, there's enough uh, science out there that they've essentially proven that you have a magnetic field around your body and it can be seen and it can be measured in a certain way. So it's no longer as woo-woo as it was when it was first uh, you know, written and spoken about. So there's a few theories on that, and one of which, of course, is that, uh, that your subtle body um, changes shape much more so, of course, than your physical body, much faster as well. And that when your um, body is contracted or constricted and there isn't a lot of energy flow, there isn't as much field, so to speak. While in areas where you have a lot of energy flow or a lot of power, uh, or you're activated, right, then you have a bigger field. And so... Um, for instance, one of the things that's interesting when you, f when you look at it, you know, most uh, depictions of saints and gurus of all different kinds of uh, religions have halos. And the halo, of course, is an emanation of the subtle body. So um, I, I saw somebody, I think you did this, where you, where you went over Krista's head. 
right? Yeah. Where's Krista? Yeah, yeah. So there she had quite a bit of subtle body on top of her head, you know, probably more than anywhere else on her body. So um, that's, a, that's a common thing. Right? And, and, and so when you play with the subtle body, noticing these things, which is why we're doing it, then allows you to activate that area more. So for instance, if you would start touching somebody and there's like this very, very thin area, then when you massage them there or touch them there, you would try and bring energy into that area. Probably, you know, first feeling it and then as you go in, see if a little bit of extra pressure or extra squeezing or, you know, in that area, gathering energy would, you know, widen the field. Or maybe it's very tight there and, and painful, so you kind of smooth out the area so that that constriction goes away. And then it. I mean, the, the subtle body doesn't change quite as fast as, for instance, the mental body, which is, you know, like this, um, but fairly quickly, you know, minutes. Okay. Well, so. Each human being has their own subtle body. Like each human being has their own physical body and no two human beings' physical bodies are alike. No two human beings' subtle bodies are alike. So it could be anything. Some people might have wide fields and some people might not. You know? And it doesn't necessarily mean they're contracted. It's a, you know, you have to work with it. Um, but as you get sensitive to it, you can manipulate the subtle body field um, all kinds of ways that's really exactly like touching. It's fun. Yes. <laughs> it has nothing to do with feminine or masculine at all. You know, the feminine and masculine are in, in, the, in the realm of energy bodies and stuff like that. Totally. It, it, well, it's not the same. It's just it doesn't matter. It's a different paradigm. Mm -hmm. your, your body has preferences sexually, but aside from the sexual preference you have, which is you like being the one surrendering to somebody who knows where it's going or penetrates into that, um, that's your preference. Like, I like salty foods better than sweet foods. Do I never eat sweet foods? Uh, you bet I do, right? It's just you have preferences and you happen to have a sexual preference that is you like to surrender, he likes to penetrate. So... If we would want to go with the feminine paradigm in this moment, then your disposition theoretically would be that you want to be everything, including with Keith, right? So, but it—it's it, not. It, it, that's a you know. That's like we're not talking about fruit. We're talking about vegetables. So, so in the in the domain of vegetables, so to speak. Um, what's more interesting is how can you wield your attention, yeah. right? So classically speaking, when you look at all the things that I'm teaching you this, this weekend, what we are looking at are essentially um, basic yogic slash shamanic skills where you learn where you put your energy or your attention, right? Energy follows attention. So wherever you put your attention is where your energy goes. And so um, energy distribution, how you use your power, where and how the power gets transmitted, 
both in the receiving and in the giving, is what makes you, um, you know, an energetically full practitioner, however you want to say it, a full human being. So what I would look at in that particular moment is why is it easier if you really want to go in there, which is interesting if you have that, if you have that um, disposition and bandwidth to explore these things, right? You can go, why is it easier for me to be with nature and fall back into nature in, instead of falling forward, so to speak, into keys while falling backward into nature, which means that you're essentially dissolving into everything, right? Uh, but of course, dissolving into anything isn't the same as being able to interact energetically with another human being and with nature. So in, you know, were you in that round of women's group where we did the deity yoga? Yeah. Yeah, so in the deity yoga practice, Right, you learn specifically to merge with the deity, and then you also merge with the land around the deity, the mandala of the deity, so that you become both that which um, essentially you know arises and the arising, so you know, so to speak. So you are you become everything, and as you become everything, you disappear into that. At the same time, you arise as something that then can interact with another human being, which is the sexual yoga part, mm -hmm. right? Because, of course, when you become one, you are, there is no one else, and you are not polarized. So what you do for the sake of the tantric practice, or the sexual yoga practice, however you want to do it, uh, is you learn how to become everything, and then you learn how to put everything into polarizing with the other. And then you have that play of the, the sexual play, the sexual polarity, and then in the middle of that sexual play, you suddenly merge, and it's all gone, and it's just God. And then for the sake of that, you know, one, two, one, two, you pull it back apart. So... You could say that when you did one and then you did the other, you could feel the difference. Right? Then you could learn how to do both simultaneously. He does both simultaneously. But then let's say, to stick with this example, you become nature and he becomes completely focused into you. Yeah. you know, for instance, or however you want to play it. So you could play with this in all different kinds of ways doesn't matter. It's an artful um, exploration. It's just that you need to know what do you need to strengthen. And for some people, they cannot focus on another human and still feel something else. So they would strengthen the backwards feeling. And some people have a much easier time being with everything, but a much harder time being with that person across. So then you strengthen that so that you are able to do both and you have that, you know, wah, wah, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. In an ideal world, nothing sticks, right? So in an ideal world, you are hollow. You're essentially a hollow tube, right, through which all of that travels. And it, when that happens, then you have no residue whatsoever. 
very few of us can be hollow all the time, right? There's people who can, but uh, you get better at being hollow because it's actually really, really good when you're hollow, right? Because also, while because you are not in there, God can be in there, right. so to speak, right? It's not your persona doing the thing, which is your persona limits you by virtue of your traumas and contractions and everything else. So the more you can make yourself um, contentless is what Steve calls it. Um, you have met Steve. Have you met Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so contentless, right, is, is essentially, or I call it hollow often, um, it allows you for stuff to just, you know, just go through. When you're not contentless, which is something you can practice and you can also practice to hold more and more and more, you know, just have vast capacity, then what you'll have to do is you'll have to just cleanse. Right? You just have to release and shower and, you know, do whatever stuff you need to do, smudge, um, you know, I don't know, run three times around the uh, chicken coop and uh, crow or something like that, whatever your particular, you know, ritual is, so that you empty back out. Um, but in an ideal world, you learn how to kind of touch without all your stuff coming in. Uh, and, you know, and, and of course, when both people do that, then there's not so much stuff, right, exchanged. And that's what I meant earlier, when you're really, really needy, that needy touch is felt as such. Right? The other person goes, oh, you know, but of course, also when you're really, really loving, that's felt as such. So um, intent in giving and receiving, uh, being empty in giving and receiving makes a huge difference in that domain. Your nervous system is relaxed enough and you are aware enough that you can actually be with that person, which includes attention you know, taking taking care of the interaction, attention, presence, but it's a lot more. So you do that, which means that you both have agreed that you are going to spend time together. Yeah. It's also a complete myth that only the man needs to be present, because if the woman isn't, you're shit out of luck as far as the available connection goes. Right? You can stand there all day long breathing into your balls if I'm somewhere over there <laughs> doing my whole thing, right? <laughs> Yeah, we, we, exactly. Then, then, then there's no interaction, right? I need to be as willing to be available to you than you to me. So that always comes first, right? The next thing is you open your heart and you create the depth of love, which also includes compassion. Included in the heart, open heart is compassion, is loving kindness, is the willingness to uh, uh, give and receive love and forgive some shortcomings along the way, so to speak, because you have compassion for, for that human's nervous system and shortcomings and quirks and fears and lack of skill and all of the things that we as humans have. So that particular openness of the heart and the deep love that comes is essentially the prerequisite for then going 
sexual in the sense of the cosmic sex or the God sex, however you want to call that, because it's through the open heart and the available body that you're able to track and, and feel how you want to play the erotic tension. And when um, you just play the erotic tension, which is easier in a certain way, right? Because erotic tension, erotic friction, or polarity, whatever people call it, once again, polarity is a somewhat incomplete um, description because, I don't know how to say this, uh, you can have erotic tension in any combination. It's not uh, uh, dependent on men, woman. It's just dependent on opposites, opposite poles. Right? So it's fairly easy to produce uh, you know, polarity, erotic friction. It's super easy. Um, one person does one thing, the other person does the other thing, and immediately you go, you have the friction, right? People don't like the word erotic tension, which is the original translation of the term, is erotic tension, because they don't like the idea that there's tension. But of course, the tension is what makes it hot, right? The friction is that the, the actual friction, meaning you actually don't like each other in that particular moment, but you certainly like to fuck, you know, to say it very bluntly, comes from two people being so different. Now, when you do that without the heart, you essentially are fulfilling your own, whatever, your own circuit, right? You're rubbing your, yourself on, to, on somebody else for the sake of perpetuating your own thing because you're not actually feeling them. You're only feeling them as far as the um, gratification of the, of the need to rub the friction off, so to speak, goes. That often happens, and I'll tell you in a second why. So it's not wrong to start with the erotic friction and have the heart catch up. But if you do it sequentially and you train your nervous system, which is what we're doing here, you train it first for the for the compassion, the openness, and the love, and then you layer on the erotic friction so that your actual, you know, sexing, so to speak, is permeated by the love. Now, like you said, for most humans, um, because of the way, particularly nowadays, I mean, younger generations than anyone in here, it's way worse than with us even because both boys and girls learn about sex from porn, which is not with an actual human. So the circuit is one of fantasy, you know, um, arousal release. And there's no human involved, so there's no heart involved. So the circuit is devoid of the heart. On the contrary, in a certain way, the, the, the masturbation gratification um, is without the heart because you're not actually dealing with a human, right? You're not loving the porn star. Well, very few people do, right? You're, 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 you're getting aroused and, and all of that without any of this. And you don't have to feel and you don't want to feel because if you would actually feel the porn star, you certainly couldn't, you know, get off because you would actually feel them and the desperation, the drug use and the, you know, and the exploitation or the, cal the manipulative, calculated, whatever, right? If you feel the actual porn star, you're never going to get hard. It's, it's just not 
going to happen. So you are going, that's not what I'm doing. I'm doing something else. And that's how most people are built. And often when men start working on combining the heart with the arousal, the, uh, the moment the heart opens, there's you know, no more arousal. And so then you work on keeping the heart open while you get aroused till the circuit includes the heart. Oh, so that's one way to go. Another way to go, which is what you describe, is that often um, the sex, in, in men particularly, produces an open heart eventually. And so eventually, like you said, the heart cat catches up. Um, but then, you know, when that catches up, you know, are you, are you done is the question, right? Are you, are you then just cuddling and loving and the actual sex is done, right? And so, so you want to be able to have both and run it parallel so that you're capable of having the, the, the depth of the heart openness while you have the depth of arousal. And you can have both at the same time. And it's not like when your heart finally catches up, then you're done with the sex. Right. Well, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Heart openness is relative. You know, there is a fairly low chance that the two of you have completely heartless sex simply because you have a baseline, you have a good relationship, you've been married forever, you share a home, you have, you know, children and grandchildren together and everything, you know, so it's probably not that horrendous, yeah. You know? Meaning, you know, you're not you're not out there fucking a porn star, you know. <laughs> so you have to see that all relative, right? Um, it's it's certainly I don't think the case that you are having totally heartless sex. It's just can you allow yourself to feel the depth of the vulnerability and the openness and the love and the mutual surrender? Because once again, surrender isn't feminine specific right it's just in a sexual occasion everybody has to surrender you have to also surrender into the act where you kind of once again kind of hollow out and let god fuck through you so to speak right and she has to give it up and allow you to enter her and 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 uh you know direct the occasion so both of you have to surrender and both of you could surrender into that that incredibly beautiful but very vulnerable and also somewhat grief-filled place of feeling right and of course that's not so fun sometimes because it comes with heartbreak it comes with the feeling that it's all going we're all aging and dying and people have died we know and our looks are going and all kinds of shit that you all feel while you're fucking which of course um isn't for the faint of heart. So it's much easier to feel less and fuck more, right? Because that's not as confronting. Right? So it, it's just, you see how much you can make yourself available. And like I said, it's relative. Some days it's mind blowing and some days it's meh, <laughs> you know? So. When, when you see really gifted musicians, they've practiced endlessly, right? And I mean, 
fuck me often, right? When you see people and they're again and again and again. I have a client, I mean, he's been doing this for whatever, 15 years. It's very famous. It's, you know, the never not a sold out stadium or whatever. And, um, um, he's going to play at some award show. And what did he do? Practice, practice, practice every day, all that. And I was sitting there thinking, because I was there and then he went to the studio and I'm thinking, I mean, how, how often are you going to sing this fucking song? Right. And the answer is again and again and again, because at some point your skills become so heightened or so, so, you know, good and ingrained that then you can let it go. And then pure genius so to speak, can come through, but it can come through because your nervous system is actually having the facility to hold these things. And so that's the, that's the thing that you experienced, right? You had that grace of God moment where she opened and it was fine, and, but then you had enough skill in your system that you could actually play. Mm-hmm. No, because I can be as enlightened and uh, godly inspired as as I can ever be. I don't know how to play the piano, right? So if I'm having one of those moments where I'm hollow and God comes through me, it's still going to sound like shit when I play the piano, right? (laughs) Maybe it's very inspired shit, but it's nonetheless I can play the piano. But of course, if if I practice playing the piano over and over and over and over and over and over when I have that inspired moment that translates into, you know, God music. And so that's that's the thing that then happens. You, all the different skill sets suddenly combine into this thing where you're effortlessly riffing, which is exactly what jazz musicians do, right? They, I mean, it sounds like they don't know what the fuck they're playing, but they know exactly what they're playing, right? And it follows some really complicated, you know, thing that they've practiced over and over. Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, nothing beats generosity, right? I mean, nothing beats generosity. If you can find it in your heart to be generous to your partner, that's ninety-seven percent of the game, right? It really is because you know it's not like we don't all make mistakes. If you can have a little bit of generosity, it goes a long way. I think the important piece to know is this is a tool for skill development. It's not your salvation. It's not your religion. um, It's not your um, salvation, right? It's just not. It's the best anyone can do for you, even though, of course, people will tell you otherwise because that's how they pay their rent. But... The best anybody can do for you is give you skills that you then integrate into your life, right? So if one person in a relationship learns some new skills, that's great for the relationship. If you somehow make the learning of the skills into some kind of a lifestyle or some kind of ideological thing that now you're not with me, uh, you're not opening, you're not um, whatever, right? Then you'll have, a, you'll have an actual problem because relationship is built on sameness. 
So the more you have in common, the better your relationship will be. So typically people who live together or partners have a lot in common. Right? You have children in common, a house in common. Hopefully you like the same kind of things like food or travel or you have the same friends. You do a lot of things in common and that's what makes it a good relationship. When you have relationship issues, you have issues around uh, lack of sameness. So you have um, lack of communication. You can't communicate uh, uh, you know, appropriately. That would be a relationship issue. You have um, religious differences, differences around money, differences around child rearing, uh, differences around where you live, how you live, who makes the money. Those are all relationship issues. And what you do with relationship issues is you try and get on the same page. So that's the first thing you do. You, you essentially go, where are we deviating in our um, ability to pull on the same string, so to speak, on the same side of the same string? Right? One of the amazing terms when you look at legal documents is irreconcilable differences. Right? So irreconcilable differences is what, what, what you call it when you want to have a divorce. Right? That's one of the reasons for a divorce and so what that means is that what you want and the other person want cannot be reconciled so that's the end of a relationship relationship is built on reconciled you know viewpoints and behaviors and things like that so that's one area so when you go on a path of learning these things now for instance and you make them uh uh, like a religion or a dogma, your partner will not be with you and you will have an area that's potentially irreconcilable, at least different. If you look at it as a, there is skills I don't have, I would like to acquire these skills. Right? Then you are in a completely different realm of experience. Because... Um, Skill development doesn't isn't isn't in the relationship paradigm, mm -hmm. right? Unless your partner says, "I don't want you to have these skills," right? Specifically, I don't. You know, I'd like to play the guitar. I could never live with a guitar player. Well, then, <laughs> you know, I mean, then you have a relational issue. But if you say, "I'd like to play the guitar," and your partner says, "That's great." I don't want to play the guitar, but I'm really happy when you play the guitar for me. Yeah. Great, right? Mm -hmm. So then you come back from your guitar lesson and you play the guitar and you sing and your partner's heart opens and it's all good, right? Then you have something that you do together. Mm -hmm. So that's how you want to approach something like this. Of course, if you go, I now know this and you don't, you're in the irreconcilable piece, right? So that's one thing to look at. Now, the other thing to look at is if you have sexual issues, and what I mean by sexual issues is lack of sexual attraction. Mm -hmm. That typically comes from being too much of the same. Mm -hmm. right? Because now you're so similar, you're so reconciled that you're essentially one human, and one human doesn't polarize. Mm -hmm. You know, two different people polarize um, when they are different, which is why typically people who have irreconcilable differences fuck a lot, 
very angrily often, but you know, <laughs> meaning often people who are actually not able to have a relationship have really strong sexual chemistry. Uh, that happens a lot. Uh, they hate each other, but you know, sex is great. Or makeup sex becomes the thing. Mm. Uh, that that's what you have to kind of consider when you look at your relationship. Are you doing too much of the same thing um, in a kind of unaware, unconscious way? Um, and then if you go, yeah, we do that. Oh, now I'm going to go and I'm learning some skills to make myself different. Then you'll probably will realize pretty quickly that the attraction returns because you can actually make yourself different. Once again, right, if you come home with the guitar and you want to play the guitar and your partner doesn't want to listen to you playing the guitar, you have deeper problems than, um, mm -hmm. you know, simply because there's other stuff at play. However, even if you come home and your partner isn't receptive, if you don't collapse and cave in and go, well, fuck you, you know, there's all this great stuff and you don't want to learn it, um, and you just move on with your day and you allow for the things that you've learned to be metabolized within you, probably quite interesting. I'd sit on the sofa next to her and then you'll do the things that you've learned to do, which is you'll feel her body, you'll feel where she's tense, you feel her mood. And then maybe while, you know, she's telling you about her day or whatever, you'll grab a foot and you'll start massaging her foot and then you massage the other foot and you're just with her and there's probably a good chance that she'll really like that. <laughs> right? And you don't know, you don't say, okay, now we sit down, we must practice. <laughs> you know, I'm going to enter your subtle body now. <laughs> She's going to go, fuck off, I'm yeah. tired. Right? Because so. then you also don't get into this Ah, she's not receptive. No, of course she's not receptive. If my husband comes home and tells me he's learned some great skills that he's now going to try on me, just watch me go. <laughs> right? That's just, I mean, really? You know, that, that's just never good. Unless it's playing the guitar or something like that, right? But even then, you know, I would probably prefer he just walks in, grabs his guitar and starts playing versus go... Can I play the guitar for you? You know, I learned a new song. <laughs> you don't know my husband, but that, that would so never happen. But <laughs> Also, I can't do his accent. He's South, um, he's South African, so he has a very specific accent that would make this all sound very funny. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you don't, you don't do that because... A whole other area that we don't want to go too far in right now, but the thing is also when you need your woman in this case, right, mm -hmm. to approve of you, you're essentially a little boy and that's always very unsexy. Mm -hmm. Right. So so anytime you go, Mommy, mommy, I just learned how to play the guitar right? It's just like ugh, go away, right? While when you walk in there and you do your thing, that's very interesting.